0: Preface to Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Vermulligan. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume One. Preface. The plan of this work is simple, and yet it is novel. In its distinctive features it differs from any compilation that has yet been made. Its main purpose is to present to American households a mass of good reading, but it goes much beyond this, for in selecting this reading it draws upon all literatures of all time and of every race, and thus becomes conspectors of the thought and intellectual evolution of man from the beginning. Another, and scarcely less important purpose, is the interpretation of this literature in essays by scholars and authors competent to speak with the authority the title a library of the World's best literature is strictly descriptive it means that what is offered to the reader is taken from the best authors and is fairly representative of the best literature and of all literatures it may be important historically or because at one time it expressed the thought and feeling of a nation, or because it has the character of universality, or because the readers of today will find it instructive, entertaining, or amusing. The work aims to suit a great variety of tastes, and thus to commend itself as a household companion for any mood and any hour. There is no intention of presenting merely a mass of historical material, however important it is in its place, which is commonly of the sort, that people recommend others to read, and do not read themselves. It is not a library of reference only, but a library to be read. The selections do not represent the partialities and prejudices and cultivation of any one person, or of a group of editors even, but, under the necessary editorial supervision, the sober judgment of almost as many minds as have assisted in the preparation of these volumes, by this method breadth of appreciation has been sought the arrangement is not chronological but alphabetical under the names of the authors and in some cases of literatures and special subjects thus in each volume a certain variety is secured the heaviness or sameness of a mass of antique classical or medieval material is avoided and the reader obtains a sense of the varieties and contrasts of different periods. But the work is not an encyclopaedia or merely a dictionary of authors. Comprehensive information as to all writers of importance may be included in a supplementary reference volume, but the attempt to quote from all would destroy the work for reading purposes and to reduce it to a herbarium of specimens. In order to present, a view of the entire literary field and to make these volumes especially useful to persons who have not access to large libraries as well as to treat certain literatures or subjects when the names of writers are unknown or would have no significance to the reader it has been found necessary to make groups of certain nationalities periods and special topics for instance if the reader would like to know something of ancient and remote literatures which cannot well be treated under the alphabetical list of authors, he will find special essays by competent scholars on the Akkadian-Babylonian literature, on the Egyptian, the Hindo, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Icelandic, the Celtic, and others, followed by selections, many of which have been specially translated for this work. In these literatures, names of certain authors are given in the index the invention of the essays is to acquaint the reader with the spirit purpose and tendency of these writings in order that he may have a comparative view of the continuity of thought and the value of tradition in the world some subjects like the arthurian legends the nibelungenlied the holy grail provencal poetry the chansons and romances and the Gesser romanorum receive a similar treatment Single poems upon which the author's title to fame mainly rests, familiar and dear hymns, and occasional and modern verse of value, are also grouped together, under an appropriate heading, with reference in the index whenever the poet is known. It will thus be evident to the reader that the library is fairly comprehensive and representative, and that it has an educational value, while offering constant and varied entertainment. This comprehensive feature, which gives the work distinction, is, however, supplemented by another of scarcely less importance, namely, the critical interpretive and biographical comments upon the authors and their writings, and their place in literature, not by one mind, or by a small editorial staff, but by a great number of writers and scholars, specialists and literary critics, who are able to speak from knowledge and with authority." Thus, the library becomes in a way representative of the scholarship and wide judgment of our own time. But the essays have another value. They give information for the guidance of the reader. If he becomes interested in any selections here given, and would like a fuller knowledge of the author's work, he can turn to the essay and find brief observations and characterizations which will assist him in making his choice of books from a library. The selections are made for household and general reading, in the belief that the best literature contains enough that is pure and elevating, and at the same time readable, to satisfy any taste that should be encouraged. Of course, selection implies choice and exclusion. It is hoped that what is given will be generally approved, yet it may well happen that some readers will miss the names of authors whom they desire to read— But this work, like every other, has its necessary limits, and in a general compilation, the classic writings and those productions that the world has set its seal on as among the best, must predominate over contemporary literature that is still on its trial. It should be said, however, that many writers of present note and popularity are omitted simply for lack of space. The editors are compelled to keep constantly in view the wider field— the general purpose is to give only literature. And where authors are cited, who are generally known as philosophers, theologians, publicists, or scientists, it is because they have distinct literary quality, or because their influence upon literature itself has been so profound that the progress of the race could not be accounted for without them. These volumes contain not only, or mainly, the literature of the past, they aim to give within the limits imposed by such a view an idea of contemporary achievement and tendencies in all civilized countries in this view of the modern world the literary product of america and great britain occupies the largest space it should be said that a plan of this work could not have been carried out without the assistance of specialists in many departments of learning and of writers of skill and insight both in this country and in Europe. This assistance has been most cordially given, with a full recognition of the value of the enterprise and of the aid that a library may give in encouraging and broadening literary tastes. Perhaps no better service could be rendered if the American public at this period than the offer of an opportunity for a comprehensive study of the order and the great literatures of other nations, by this comparison it can gain a just view of its own literature and of its possible mission in the world of letters. Charles Dudley Warner. Note of Acknowledgment. Owing to the many changes in the assignment of topics and engaging of writers incident to so extended a publication as a library of the world's best literature, the editor finds it impossible before the completion of the work adequately to recognize the very great aid which he has received from a large number of persons a full list of contributors will be given in one of the concluding volumes he will expressly acknowledge also his debt to those who have assisted him editorially or in other special ways in the preparation of these volumes both editor and publishers have endeavoured to give full credit to every author quoted and to accompany every citation with ample notice of copyright ownership. At the close of the work, it is of their purpose to express, in a more formal way, their sense of obligation to the many publishers, who have so courteously given permission for this use of their property, and whose rights of ownership it is intended thoroughly to protect. Books are not absolutely dead things, but do contain a potency of life in them, to be as active as if that soul was, whose progeny they are. Nay, they do preserve, as in a vial, the purest efficacy and extraction of their living intellect that bred them. I know they are as lively, and as vigorously productive, as if those fabulous dragon's teeth, and being sown up and down may chance to spring up armed men. And yet, on the other hand, unless rareness be used, as good almost kill a man as kill a good book. Who kills a man kills a reasonable creature, God's image. But he who destroys a good book kills reason itself, kills the image of God, as it were in the eye. Many a man lives a burden to the earth, but a good book is the precious life-blood of a master spirit, embalmed and treasured up on purpose to a life beyond life. John Milton End of preface.